everyone out there to play flubble boys this is draped in gold your one-stop shop for nxt uk nxt content it's the holiday week it's the eve before christmas eve and i'm in the booth solo you see my compatriot jack farmer himself is out there in the pacific northwest seeing family doing the thing and so that's why he didn't come to work today fine with me you can follow him at real jack farmer but it's all right we're gonna have ourselves a grand old time because this week was kind of weird, kind of different, kind of unique. NXT UK had basically a best of, and they are advertising a best of for next week. Uh, this week for Christmas, next week for New Year's. And NXT Classic 2.0, if you will, has New Year's Evil on the horizon. And so we got some setup matches for that. So in, in the in the instance, in the celebration of doing that, we're going to do things a little bit different because you're rocking here with me. Good old Flobo boys. And the chat is live on that Facebook, on that YouTube, on that Twitter, and that Twitch. Yes, I am solo. Woo! What's up? What's up, Gears? We're going to talk about the top 10 moments of NXT UK and NXT. That's right. Both shows are combined. It's kind of difficult with NXT UK because they basically had a clip show, but that's all right. This is what live entertainment is all about. In the meantime, if you haven't already, make sure you support the homie by hitting that Patreon up. Patreon.com. Slash Flowboy Boys. Let's get into it. Number 10, New Year's Evil. In two weeks, NXT 2.0 will be having its second or third pay-per-view if you count Halloween Havoc and it's New Year's Evil, which is kind of like one of their cooler, cooler events, has a whole like devilish thing going with it. I'm liking the vibe, and the card is still being shaped as it is right now. And the reason why it was number 10 moment for me is that you got three matches already on the horizon with Roderick Strong and Carmelo Hayes, which we get to in just a bit. Uh, Mandy Rose with Kel Gonzalez, Cora Jade in a three-way match. And Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker about to go dancing one more time. But do it one more time. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, we're do it one more time. And look, the, the card is already shaping up to be pretty solid, but the whole world it's watching Braun Breaker. Can Braun Breaker do the impossible? We know he's the son of one Steiner, the nephew of another Steiner, but here's an opportunity for him to do his own legacy, his own dang thing. Second time tends to be the charm when it comes to title matches. We've seen this before with NXT UK with Ilya Dragunov and Walter. We've seen this before with Kaylee Ray and Mako Satomura. Can Braun Breaker do it? I think the whole pressure is on him. The whole pressure's on Braun, man. Everyone has hit him down as being the future, being the next step, and all of that. And so now it's time for him to show and prove. What up, Dylan Matthews, all the way from Australia? Yes, I think mean, 15.5 hours of Christmas for people in the future. So I had a whole Christmas Eve to go through. And uh, Will Five Star, thanks for stopping by. So Braun Breaker, Tommaso Champ is going to be the crown jewel so far of that uh, New Year's Evil NXT event, which I'm kind of upset about. They couldn't get one NXT UK match in there. My number nine moment of the week is Idris Enofre, local Soul Cowboy, beating Von Wagner. And not the fact that Idris has skills, because we all know he does, and Homeboy is ripped. I mean, dang. It's the fact that everyone is looking at Von Wagner. He's like some sort of pushover. It seems to me we have we have Braun Breaker, we have Tony D'Angelo, but it's Von Wagner's guy I felt was was put on the split. Not using a P word, not going to say pushed, even though I just did it there for an example. But I felt the whole world was looking at Von Wagner do big things. Who hunked up with Kyle O'Reilly for a long time, his last month, last six weeks in the promotion before he went on to AEW. We thought Von Wagner was going to be the truth. 
and maybe there's still time for him to be. But he got rolled up by a guy who hadn't recorded a win uh, on the main show. It was kind of an upset, kind of surprising. In fact, you know what? We need more black wrestlers winning. Tell that to AEW. Uh, he does that afraid going out there and surprising everyone, even myself. I was about to write down as a foregone conclusion that he was going to lose his match, but he had other plans. So what's Van Wagner's going to do? Not really sure here, but I like the idea. I like the fact that Idris NRA is able to upset the apple cart. 2.0 this week, in my humble opinion, in my humble up, has really shifted what we think was going to happen. There's so many times during the end of the 1.0 era, it was pretty obvious who's going to win matches, who wasn't. We have all these new characters now, and they're getting those kind of, um, again, P-word, pushes. And you have all these established characters, kind of there, kind of established, kind of faltering. You really are approaching each matchup of saying, I wonder who's going to be the one to take it on. And so that's why I thought it was kind of fun. Uh, yeah, Dylan Matthews, I'm with you. Von Wagner, I don't see it. Let's stop, let's stop, let's stop the bus, bus right here. Take us off. He has the size. He has the strength. But for me, personally... Three things. One, him angry and him not angry is pretty much the same. There's no range. Two, his theme song, ugh. And three, is he wearing equestrian pants for the ring? I don't I don't get it. Now, I'll be the first one to have my mind changed. I have my mind changed about Keith Lee, not as a wrestler, but in the NXT system. I have my mind changed about Diamond Dajakovic. There's always room for that. I don't see it with Von Wagner, and I hope that something happens soon because I think the kind of heat that he thought he was going to get, the boos, the jeers for like somehow turning over Kyle O'Reilly, has all gone to Grayson Waller. And we talk about him a little bit. My number eight moment NXT UK had a clip show, but Nina Samuels was the host. And here's a very, very small thing. If you guys don't watch NXT UK, you're missing out. Best wrestling show on the planet, hands down. And yes, I'm including Rampage, Dynamite, uh, Impact, um, um, even MLW, even even um, Reality Wrestling. I'm putting NXT UK as the best produced hour-long wrestling show, even Champion Wrestling from Hollywood. But to give this to Nina Samuels, here's somebody who's been backstage, not really doing much since her exchange with Zaya Brookside, but she is the host of her show and the new hashtag, hashtag needs more Nina, which sounds silly to you. But I will tell you a little story. My co-host, Jack Farmer, and I used to work at a network. And Jack Farmer was a new guy for a long time. Your boy, Flopito, got him in there. Not getting the whole details. And when the first time he was on, he was a little different, a little quirky. But it ended with a hashtag, hashtag bring back Jack. And I'll tell you what, it trended. If you go into Twitter and put trends in Los Angeles and pinpoint only North Hollywood. But it trended. And it got people to ask for more Jack Farmer. And what? He's so good now. He has merch. So the fact that Nina Samuel is taking the little page out of Jack Farmer's book, even though Jack Farmer's a huge fan of hers, the Nina Samuel show was the host of this week's NXT UK Christmas recap. I think it's a good sign for her in the years to come. I know right now she hasn't much to do because the NXT women's division is so stacked. Uh, but I think having a chance to, to have her host is always a good sign. Shotzi Blackheart hosted Halloween Havoc uh, last year or the or yeah, 2020, and look what she's doing now. Dylan Matthews says, you can't put a good show's AEW Rampage in the same sentence now. <laughs> That's kind of hot and spicy. I know this is an NXT show. I know this is, uh, this is an unspoken war or whatever, but the problem with Rampage, or say the solution for Rampage, is going to be something that no one's going to like, and that is you take some members of the roster and say they're Rampage exclusives, which sounds like a brand split, because it is. Because Friday at 10 is never good. Rowdy and wrestling doesn't do well in particular. 
people always say, well, what about the time where SmackDown was on Friday nights? One of the worst ratings it ever had. The difference being with Fox now, and I won't get into the whole machinations of corporate warfare, is that when it sliced off the studio to Disney, Fox needed to build up its news and sports division. So Fox, as a sports network, doesn't have that same trappings uh, of, of trying to program a purely entertainment network. Yes, Fox has 911 and all those shows, but it really is sports and news. So I look at the Friday night My TV era of SmackDown when no one watched it. And I go, why would you put a show on Friday nights? I mean, I don't, unless you're giving me a main event match every week, unless your Friday show is your main show, it's kind of asking for it. But it's not really an AEW show, I'm not doing that. Uh, number seven for me this week, definitely that street fight, the final chapter. I rolled my eyes going into this match last week. I said, man, how many times can we have Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez go at each other? Dakota Kai has proven she is a workhorse. Raquel Gonzalez, La, La Chingona, she calls herself, has already established as a former champion, and she has a bit of a presence on that brand. Maybe not much where to go, and we'll see that with her New Year's Evil match with Cora Jade and Mandy Rose. But these two did not need to fight again. But what I got was a dope-ass match. We're talking about the kind of brutality that you see that works for NXT 2.0. It pushes the envelope of what it does, but not to the point where you're going or cringing. Oh my gosh, I hope they didn't really kill each other. For example, that slam on the steel steps is still a slam. Kind of safe from a performance standpoint, but it had enough to be like, this means business. Hard hitting. Uh, I think they ever come out with a DVD. Do you still do DVDs? Or a Peacock special, a prime target of the trajectories of these two women. This may be their greatest rivalry. Uh, it needs to end for now. They can revisit it years from now, maybe at a super showdown somewhere. Uh, but I thought it was a perfect capstone to what they need to do. Now, Raquel Gonzalez is moving on. But what? about Dakota. Now, this is my favorite iteration of Dakota Kai. I liked it when she first, first, first turned on Tegan Knox, and she was all about that team kick stuff. I like that version of her better, but still, an underused talent um, that can wrestle with everyone, but at the same time doesn't fit anywhere. Some say main roster. I say, well, Rod needs the bodies. Why not? NXT still needs a little bit of help in, on their 205 side. But the question is, will that be seen as an insult for someone on the level of Dakota Kai? Choice is hers on that level, but if I was a mysterious GM, because I'm not really sure if Regal still has a job. I, I don't really know. I will put Dakota Kai on top of the NXT division. Look, Mandy Rose is fantastic. Toxic Attraction is great, but Toxic Attraction is now solidified as a unit. Whether or not you like Gigi Dolan or you like JC Jane or you like uh, Mandy Rose, they are a unit. They don't necessarily need the titles now. And if you have to sacrifice the title, or rather you sacrifice the NXT title, the tag team title, because they will think those ladies need it more. But it has to be some time when you have Dakota Kai at the top. You know, on our sister show, Mac Mania, we worry about the curse, the workhorse, the Dolph Ziggler, the Bobby Roos of the world. If Dakota Kai is going to get gold soon, she may be in that category. Just putting it out there. Number six for me, Brian Kendrick, baby. Um, didn't think he was going to wrestle ever again on TV. No idea, but but to his credit, is being used as angle with Harlan and Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy has cooled off a bit in my eyes, but when it came down to 2.0 and the new talent, I finally understood what these new characters were through Joe Gacy first. And that's why he's important. 
Harland, Parker Bordeaux, uh, is someone that we haven't seen do too much in NXT. And I think Brian Cage will be the guy to give it to him. Here's somebody that has a pedigree. People know who he is. Uh, if you watch 205 Live back when it was a Cruiserweight show, he basically, he, Brian Kredzik, basically held up that entire brand by himself along with a small uh, group of wrestlers like uh, been Jack Gallagher. Remember him? Woo! I'm going back. Anyway, the match is going to be great. Brian Kendrick is small enough and, and professional enough to be thrown around and ragdolled, which I'm pretty much sure is going to happen next week. And then Harley will probably solidify himself as the muscle. And we have a brand here where there's so many kinds of muscles with like Trick Williams on one side back when even Gargano's rolling with Dex Loomis. Uh, do you need another muscle character? I say, why not? Uh, sometimes they break out on their own. The WCW semi-fan of me remembers the wall being way better than Berlin, you know? So give Park a chance to shine. Brian Kendrick would be one to do that. Can't wait for the match uh, with that. But we're on the top five. Top five, baby, rolling through here, draped in gold. Thanks so much for rock with me on the special Christmas edition. If you haven't already, hook a brother up, share, like, comment, drop a review on the iTunes and the Apple Podcast. Top five coming at you. Number five, that NXT UK women's division. And let me tell you about something, bruh. Let me tell you. A year and a half ago, two years ago, on this show or on other shows, we would say, what was a, the top women's division on the planet? And it was unanimously NXT. People tell me that AEW's women's division is improving, and, and there is some objective reason that it is, that it is improving, but the question or the problem I'm seeing now is not so much not having the talent, which was AEW's original problem, is giving them the time. There's a weird top of the card when it comes to the women's division and all the mid-card and, and lower-card female talent are pretty much siphoned off to dark and elevation and all that stuff. NXT for a long time didn't do that, but now I'm seeing a lot of that happening now. NXT Classic has 205, which I have I basically told myself I'll have to watch more to see more of our female talent. Talk about the Erica Yans, the, Amar, the Amari Millers out there, um, um, the Ulysses Le, uh, Leons, uh, the Valentina Ferocis, uh, those are just more on 205. So when it comes down to women on a brand with a flat hierarchy, yeah, it is a champion, but everyone on any given match can really pull one through. It has to be NXT UK. I've been so thankful to be an advocate for that. I don't care if you're Amelia McKenzie, uh, Stevie Turner, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Mel got a, a package, uh, a recent package that changed her whole character on her head. Uh, Mako Satamora, the final boss. Uh, I mean, from top to bottom, uh, there's just so much good talent on that brand, and it really is a hidden jewel for NXT UK. That's beyond the roster in total. That's beyond the tag team division having a legit division. That's beyond having a unique division in the Heritage Cup and having actual competitors vie for it. The NXT women, UK women's division is top of the chart bar none. And I'm being honest with you. What up, Flap? How's it going, man? Thanks for coming out man, on this episode of Drip and Go. So thankful to be a fan of the brand. I keep advocating for it. If you haven't seen it, go ahead and do it. Number four, New Year's Eve, we're having another match, and that is a title unification. Haven't had one of those in a long, long time where the champion, Roderick Strong in the Cruiserweight division, and the A champion of the North American title, Carmelo Hayes, are going to have a match title for title as booked by Malcolm Bivens. Where is Regal? Did he really quit? Is Regal done? Questions I have about that. Uh, one, Title unifications are always fun. They're always great. And two, that Cruiserweight title, as cool as it was, was on fumes. Um, it's, even before the pandemic, I was wondering about the viability of the Cruiserweight division when it moved to NXT. When it was a WWE Cruiserweight division, they tried. It was a push for it. And then when that moved to NXT, I wonder, hmm, this is going to be an undercard title. 
the pandemic hits and we had the split title situation. The interim title uh, won by Santos Escobar, the true title won by Jordan Devlin. They go, wow, this is actually a cool story from like a storytelling standpoint. They had the match because she had it for a bit and then it kind of just tapered off. So I'm kind of glad they're giving it a respectful end here. I'm almost positive the North American title will be the one that will survive this. The question becomes, will it be Diamond Mine or Camilo Hayes? Diamond Mine needs that big splash. They're the group that runs roughshod. They have four different stories working at once with the Creed Brothers and Ivy Nile. So being the North American champion, Roderick Strong could put a whole new spin on things and thumb the nose at Kyle O'Reilly. But Carmelo Hayes has started to win me over in his heel persona. I was very bad about that. I poo-pooed it. But Carmelo Hayes has been great. Trick has been golden. Being the eight champion, having that cockiness and swagger would be the one that may get newer, younger fans to tune into the show. I'm a little confirmed. I can't really call it down the middle. And Dylan Matthews says, uh, did actually say it was title unification. Alabama is him versus champion. Yep, title for title, winner take all. That's how he ends it. Remember, Merry Christmas, ho, ho, ho. And the graphic came up. It's going to be title for title. So I um, I don't know. I hope Carmelo wins this one. I do think that he needs it more to say he beat Roderick Strong. But Diamond Mine needs gold too. And I'm not sure the Creed Brothers are the guys quite yet or Ivy Nile is the gal quite yet. So if they win, I wouldn't be mad. My money is on Carmelo. Top three, baby. Well, you know, as a fan of NXT UK, it was really cool to see how each and every superstar celebrated their holiday. A lot of trees and apartments, apparently. But a lot of cool things to see on this edition of NXT UK. Uh, Got to give her up to my boy Ashton Smith. That sweater was on point, looking like a dope Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Chip Denning got some sunshine, the referee. No one ever gives referee any shine or love, and that was cool to see. And Sam Gradwell showing everyone that he's actually a Paul, you know, and not always a jerk, but he called us a yogurt, so it was kind of a, a, a give or take kind of a thing. But the Christmas greetings from NXT UK, definitely top three for me. Um, worth seeing. If you've seen the matches that were recapped on this episode, you saw the Make Us Out of More Kelly Ray match, if you saw the Iron Man match between Devlin and Naked, you can watch it again if you want to, but definitely about the 35 to 40 minute mark, there was the first group of greetings. Uh, check it out. You see how everyone celebrates a holiday. I think a lot of the other brands don't do that. That's why NXT UK is way more accessible. Top two, baby, coming at you. This main event. 2.0 gave us a main event and a half. And everyone talks about war games being 1.0 versus 2.0. This was 1.0 versus 2.0. Pete Dunn, kind of like my indie band that made it mainstream. Huge fan, lifelong fan. Here's a guy I've always said can be put on any roster and be absolutely lethal. Now they had Tony Angelo, a character I didn't quite get. Thought it was borderline stereotypical if you were Italian-American, but has made it his own and is one of the more popular characters on NXT. And they had a match, and I didn't, even though that Tony Angelo's gimmick is a bit goofy, I believe for a second Tony Angelo was tough. Pete Dunn is a bruiserweight, but it didn't matter because he felt like he was a bigger competitor than what he was. That he was heavier than what he was. This match gave us everything, and it was fitting to be the main event. In fact, I was a little worried because the street fight between Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai was so early. But what this gave us was a whole new look at what 2.0 can be. And I got a feeling there's going to be a groundswell in 2022 of 2.0 advocates. It's going to say, hey, man, give another shot. It's different. It's quirky. It might great. It may not be in the conversation with wrestling fans hardcore, but it has come a long way from what it was in September. It really has. Um, the in-ring work isn't crazy. Tony Angel wasn't necessarily a problem, but the presentation of it being a featured marquee matchup in only three months, 
So it was fascinating for me. Uh, bitter ends. I was so glad that Pete didn't won. I was little. I was a little worried. I was a little worried that Pete was going to lose a match. Uh, but he did the best way. Pete Dunne show, shows the world. <laughs> I love that Dylan Matthews doing both the Tony Ionjo pinch fingers and the 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 Pete Dunne, the, uh, you know. Uh, I, I felt that it was the right call having Pete Dunne win the match. The bitter end was just that cool of a move. But the the crowbar to the hand afterward made both guys look great. I always ask Jack Farmer whether or not Tony Ionjo needs a crew, needs a group. But you know what? Paisan... I don't think he does. I don't think he does. He's just that great. I want to see what the Bruiser does next. I'm not sure if this makes him a protagonist. I'm not sure if it makes Pete Dunne a good guy, but it's going to be fun to watch. And this gets to number one, because you all know what this is. You have to know what this is. The phenomenal AJ Styles comes to NXT to address Grayson Waller. Now, Grayson Waller and the Waller effect has been running roughshod in NXT, and I kind of liked him from day one because he was just so weird and smarmy, but it looks like he is going to be the guy. Um, there are some cynical people out there that are saying that WWE needs an MJF and Grayson Waller is going to be your MJF. I don't quite see it because MJF comes from a place of privilege, quote, unquote. He, he wears a Burberry scarf and he has the diamond ring and has a whole different thing. But I get it. Someone is so annoying, but it's going to be such a lovable loser that you're going to say he's a good heel. Now, you know, I don't go into deep, deep, uh, deep into it, but I don't believe in good heels. I feel like a good heel is someone you hate. Baron Corbin, Nia Jax are great heels, but saying, hey, he, he, he's entertaining. There's a whatever. Grayson Waller is in a lot. Hate the loud shirts. Not his fault, though, because everyone else is doing that now. Kenny Omega, Seth uh, Rollins. Everyone's doing the loud shirt. Ricky Starks. Uh, so it looks like he's doing one of those. But hey, you know what? The fact that he got to retire Johnny Gargano, He's walking around backstage. He injured LA Knight. They're giving him a lot of tools to work with. And the only thing I can say is I hope it doesn't turn into a Billy Gunn 1999 situation where you were given the rocket and the straps and you dropped them both. The whole world's looking at Grayson Waller because AJ Styles is no pushover. And this scene, can I say, served both men. For too long, I thought, AJ was with Almas. I like Almas as a competitor, but I was starting to see AJ as a tag team professional. Not to mention... He's one of the best in the world. He retired The Undertaker. So to have AJ go on a little bit of an extra excursion to another show and come out as a big, bad boogeyman as a solo competitor actually helps AJ Styles on Monday Night Raw. Actually says, you know what? This may be a Clash of the Titans when he actually fights Omos if they do that. So this was a scene that opened up my mind to what NXT 2.0 is going to be. I know they were saying it's supposed to prime people for the roster. The indie fed days are over, which from a business decision is pretty smart because indie wrestling is great, but it doesn't generate revenue. Fans watch it, they share it on YouTube, and they walk away. So if you're NXT, if you're WWE and you have two hours, you got to find a way to get everyone to be in on something that's inside their ecosystem. Bring it in-house is what they say. Companies do this all the time. If you're a graphic designer, sometimes it will purchase your rights to put you in-house. It's cheaper that way. So we got, we got some crazy characters. Grayson Waller is a, a, a tension-seeking boxer guy. I don't know what he is, but he's great. Uh, I like Jack at time. Jack hates it. Wade Barrett hates it. Um, I'm a fan of Erica Yan on 205. There's so many characters now that are a lot more fun. Joe Gacy is interesting to listen to and watch. MSK has a whole new vibe. But what we got was a perfect example. And speaking of Riddle, having Riddle come down as like the stunt casting, this almost creating your own forbidden door 
inside WWE is riddled with hubris. But I get it, and I understand. Grayson Waller looks even bigger and badder. AJ Styles has reestablished himself as a singles competitor, at least in my eyes. And the segment definitely lit the fire on Twitter. So, <laughs> there you have it. Uh, yeah, there you go. Wade Barrett. Uh, if, if Wade Barrett was on NXT UK for some reason or any capacity, that would be the best commentary in wrestling, bar none. Not to say Nigel and, and Andy Shep aren't the best commentary team, because they are. Like, even evenly matched, but they complement each other. The best commentary team is on NXT UK. But Wade Barrett and those two will just go through the room. That does it for me on this Christmas edition of Draped and Gold. Tell Jack at Real Jack Farmer and say, come to work next week. It's your boy Flobo hanging out here. Uh, if you guys are a fan of the network on the YouTube.com slash Flobo Voice Network, the new Amsterdam Entertainment Network, be back here in a short while for Commander's Log as a Star Trek Discovery after show. Yeah, I do that too. And if you're not, that's cool. Enjoy your holiday. Drink some eggnog. It's on me. And please stay safe. There are variants out here, brother. Uh, that's right, drapedingold.com. We'll see you next time.